This episode of the Curious Life podcast is brought to you by the sneaky treat company Melbourne, decadent sweet treats delivered to your door. Let your friends, family or clients know that you're thinking of them with a box of goodies and a personalised note to send along with your gift. TheSneakyTreatCo.com, you know you want to. Candace Warner, no stranger to controversy or life throwing some pretty heavy curveballs her way. The highs and lows, a champion iron woman, but also the young woman dealing with public shaming from a leaked compromising video. Mum of three girls, also standing by Aussie cricketing legend hubby David Warner with his involvement in the ball tampering scandal. You saw her grit and determination on Channel 7's SAS Australia and also lose a long-term friendship with Roxy Jasenko on the show. Next on the Curious Life podcast, Candace dishes on digging deep when reality TV zeroes in on your past. Well, Candace, thank you so much for joining me today on the Curious Life podcast. I've been following your story and just think it's so impressive the way that you have handled so many things and continue to just show such strength. The way you presented yourself, particularly last year in 2020, was really exceptional. So congrats. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's nice to start a new decade and and just be free of, of all that stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to this year, but also the coming years to see what it has for myself and my family. I think that's what it feels like. You know, last year you were on SAS on Channel 7. That was a gruelling experience, I'm sure, physically and mentally. And it was clear that the producers were trying to get stuff out of you. Almost a line in the sand and you've come out of that looking really good. For me, when I signed up for the show, after watching a few episodes in the UK, I knew what it was about. I knew there was a possibility of them in interrogations, bringing up my past. And I'm very comfortable with with everything. Mm-hmm. So for me, I thought it was a great opportunity to go on the show and challenge myself. So that was the main reason why I wanted to go on, to challenge myself and just put myself out of the comfort zone and, and do something for me for a change. As a parent, you're always putting your family and your kids first. So that was the first thing. But I guess for so many years, I felt so judged and so misunderstood. Mm. And it was a really great opportunity for me to be very honest, very raw and show a vulnerable side of myself that I haven't shown before. So in order to do that, I had to just look myself in the mirror and just go, okay, this is going to be confronting. This is going to be uncomfortable at times, but it's something that I needed to do in order to grow and to move on. That's the whole purpose of life, isn't it? That we all make mistakes, we all go through things, but it's how we come out of them that really makes us who we are. And that's really what resilience is all about. As a parent myself, I'm often thinking, how are we going to foster resilience in our kids? And it's how we get knocked down and get back up again that builds that resilience. I wonder what that's like for you thinking about your kids and the lessons that you've learned, how that plays into your parenting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think... From mistakes, you get your biggest growth. Without mistakes, you don't learn as great. You do make mistakes. You do fall at times. But it's from those times, that's when you learn how to pick yourself up. That's when you learn right from wrong. That's when you learn just what you've got inside of you. 
before the show, I knew how resilient I was because I had been knocked down, not just once, not just twice. I felt like three or four times and each time I got back up. And some of the advice that I've always been given from my parents is always to just to confront things head on and not to hide, not to be embarrassed. At times in my past, it had been hard being a young person and being at what I thought and and I think I was right quite harshly judged did want to hide you wanted to stay in your room a lot of time I was putting a hat on to cover my face because people would point people would talk and I would hear it so your self-esteem goes but I think the greatest thing my parents said is just keep going out keep trying to live that normal life go back to training don't hide yourself you don't need to hide yourself you don't need to be ashamed and if people want to judge you and if people want to say things and make things up about you let them but you are stronger and you know within yourself you're a good person and that always stuck with me and I think that's why I'm so resilient because I didn't hide I didn't I still had the desire to be a good person to be good at my sport I still knew I was a good person I had great people around me that loved me and ultimately that's all that mattered that's amazing your parents sound incredible to be able to instill those values in you at a time when probably they were dealing with something that they'd never experienced in their life. Obviously, we're talking about something that happened a long time ago, but there was a lot of public scrutiny at the time. It wasn't just like, oh, well, something bad's happened to me and my friends all know about it and that's a bit yeah. embarrassing. It's like the whole world is making comments and judging. There's no doubt that it was hard for my parents and my, my brothers and living in a, in a very tight-knit community. It, it was tough for them. And I could feel the pain that they were in, but yet they still continued to support me wholeheartedly. They still loved me. And I felt that. And I knew that no matter what was going on, I had that protection around me. And and that's the kind of family that I want to give to my kids is that no matter if you stuff up, you know, you're still human. You still have parents and sisters and family that love you. You are a good person. And in life, you will stuff up. Don't ever think that you're going to go through life without making mistakes. That's called learning. And if I can put that into my kids and then I know as a parent I'm doing a good job and it was tough, but it's life. And my parents, they made mistakes and it just seemed everyone was judging and I feel like everyone has come a long way since then. And the way they view women and the way they view certain things is definitely changed. A hundred percent. I don't think it would have been possible for you to have been treated the way that you did if it was happening today. So much support. And the great thing about doing SAS was I didn't realize at the time when I signed up, it would have so much of a widespread effect on so many not just women, but men and how many people have been in similar situations to me with being judged for mistakes that they've made and people just reaching out to me on social media saying, you know, I've never, I've never spoken about this before. I've never openly contacted or direct messaged someone that I don't know, but this is my story. And through seeing your honesty, you've really helped me in my development and and get me through certain things. So the fact that I had done that to so many people mm-hmm. has, has absolutely blown me away and I never anticipated it. I never expected it, but it feels so good that through my honesty and, and my just being me, it's helped a lot of people. 
if you'd known that you could look forward 10 years and know what an impact, a positive impact you'd have on people, do you think you would have believed it back then? No, not at all. Because back then I was still getting people yelling things. out. I mean, even five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, I was still getting uneducated people yelling things out, just trying to get a laugh. But the last few years I've just confronted those people. So if I was out of a cricket match and I was walking back to my car or whatever it may be and, and a group of young boys thought it would be funny to, after a few drinks, to call certain names out to me, I would actually confront them. And, mm. and a lot of the times they would crumble. Remember one time it was at the SCG and this young boy was just turning up to to the ground and started yelling things out to me and I actually chased him and he's and and it was funny because I had my heels on in my handbag and <laughs> it was just lucky the kids weren't with me and he was really shocked and he was so apologetic and so embarrassed but I feel like around a group of people they feel really tough and they think it's okay to embarrass someone or to abuse someone but when you call them out or you confront them they're actually really weak people and it's generally the weak people that try to put other people down in order to make themselves feel really good so yeah I just confront people now and it makes me feel really good but it also puts them in their place and hopefully it teaches them a lesson. And does the same happen online like do you find yourself having to respond to people online trolls and keyboard warriors? (laughs) There's a little bit online, but I never write back to those people. I don't, no face to them. They don't exist to me. But if someone's there in front of me, it doesn't happen very often, but I will confront them. The same thing if something, someone's in a crowd and they're being vile or they're having a go at someone else, I will always just confront them. That's just, I think, because I've been hurt so much and copped so much that I'm now really resilient and I can say, excuse me, no, like that, that's not okay. And a majority of the time they apologise and, and they feel really embarrassed, but I think if more people can stand up to these bullies or people who are being racist or offending other people publicly, then hopefully it happens a lot less. Silence gets us nowhere. Where do you think this strength came from? Incident after incident, what kind of work did you have to put in to get to that place? I think sport always helped me and it taught me a lot of valuable lessons. I was never the best, but I always wanted to be the best. And it took me a long, long time to win a certain event that I really, almost 10 years of hard training and and being knocked back. And sometimes it was because I wasn't prepared enough. Sometimes it would be because of different weather conditions or whatever it may be. And, And I knew that I had this inner strength because I kept showing up I kept turning up and I kept thinking that I could win this race even though it took me 10 years I I just always believed that I could do it so I think with having those little knockbacks in racing and training and I knew I had that inner strength because I never gave up and I just Mm. kept I kept showing up because I just believed in myself so much and I think sport teaches us so many wonderful things and uh, it's helped me through motherhood it's helped me through my husband's career and, and it's definitely helped me deal with so many situations in my life you're a former iron woman yeah. champion yes yeah, so when i was 14 i was the youngest person to ever turn professional in surf life saving and iron woman racing and again I, I was never great i was always probably the one that was at the back of the lane. I didn't have that natural ability, but what I did have was ambition, drive, determination. And I always feel like natural ability will only take you so far. But if you don't have that that grit, that determination and that will to win and that will to survive, 
you'll crumble. And, and I had that. And I knew that just one by one, I'd wear people down and just through turning up and being consistent. And I feel like in anything in life, if you're consistent and you keep at it, eventually you'll get there. And, and that's just what I did. And that would have put you in great stead for SAS. I mean, I'm sure after three kids, you probably had a bit of training to do. <laughs> oh, I did. Absolutely. And, and when the show was originally supposed to film pre-COVID, my daughter was maybe four months old. So now that I've done it, I would have, I think, really struggled knowing that after four months, you're still nowhere near fit. Your abdominal muscles are still separated. Mm. You, you just don't have any strength. So I think I was probably kidding myself a bit. But with COVID, it was pushed back another six months and I was able to train and get myself really fit. And all my sports that I've done previously and, and just my way of thinking certainly helped when I was on the show. For someone like me, that kind of setting looks terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. What was it like for you? It was terrifying because we were so petrified of the four directing staff. They were, for them, they're not paid actors. This is real life for them. And they told us at the start that they were going to give us an an experience that was as close to the real thing as they possibly could, like just a diluted version of their SAS selection course. So they take it really seriously. And the people that didn't take it seriously were, were found out very early on. And you had to prepare for it. And I prepared for it like I would any racer. And it was it was cold. It was brutal. It was everything. But no matter how hard you train for something, the physical stuff, although it was very difficult, I knew that it always come to an end. It, that can't last forever. So I knew that that had an ending at some stage. You just had to get through it. But it was the most mundane things, like being in the back of an army vehicle, freezing cold for hours on end, packing your Bergen. So our backpacks that we had on, every day you had to pack your sleeping bag in there. And you think, oh, putting a sleeping bag in there, that's easy. But when you have to put it into a wet or dry bag and your hands are infected and there's cuts, we had to bandage our hands so that we could get our sleeping bags in. And then on top of that, you've got sandbags and drink bottles and, and trying to fit it all in this bag. They were the things that could break you and they're the things that you can't train for. So that's where you you, you go back to different experiences in your life and, and different things that you've overcome to go, okay, well, this is, let's just put this into perspective is this is not this isn't going to break me there's no way that I'm going to let this break me out of everything rising to every challenge is hard enough on reality tv but there's always a backstory Candace reveals next what it was like to publicly feud with long-term friend and her PR rep Roxy Jasenko it's coming up just a moment on the Curious Life podcast From the physical perspective, you're handling it as best you can. And then there's the psychological perspective of injuries and cold and wet and the fact that you've got these real scary guys telling you what to do all the time. And then you've got the added issue of cameras and the other contestants. There was a lot of drama around so many. That's right. And so, and then on top of that, you're, you're not sleeping because they're always coming in at all hours of the night. So you never feel like you, you, can, you can really switch off. You've got the lack of food. You're freezing. You're constantly shivering. You've got infected hands. 
Uh, you've got the men screaming at you. You've got them interrogating you about your past indiscretions or what you've been through in your life. And then you, you're doing an activity that's really hard and you get no positive feedback. You just get told really how bad you are and why did you stuff up and explain yourself. And then you've got to deal with contestants so that you don't know and you're having to live with them. And then you've got the emotions of missing your family. So, I mean, it, 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 it had it all. And it was the most incredible experience and you're really... I found out a lot about myself and and a lot about other people and how resilient we can be if you put your mind to it. As you're describing it, I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, that sounds like my worst nightmare. And you're saying it's an incredible experience. And, And I always do. And I, even with my husband, with things that he's been through or just anything in life, I always tell, I always see the positive in everything. And otherwise you will get eaten up and spat out in life. I mean, it can be brutal, just like the SAS was. And I think if you can always find the positives in in things, and that doesn't mean that I'm always around the house smiling and I'm always that bubbly person. I have bad days too, but I always see the positives in everything. And, And I think you have to train your mind to be like that. Always see the glass half full. Try to be that person that does see the positive, that does see the lesson learnt in a certain situation. Otherwise, you will find that things consume you and the little things. And I just try to be that person. There was the good parts of that experience and I guess some of the negative that the media was like hanging on to and the Daily Mail sort of made it their bread and butter to talk about every little detail of the relationships that were going on. And I know you made some really great friendships there, but they did like to talk a lot about you and Roxy Jasenko. And I wonder yeah. how much of that was real and how much of that was the Daily Mail. From where I'm coming from with the show, we always knew no one went into it blindsided. Everyone knew what was asked of us, what was going to be asked of us and what we were going to be doing. So anyone that sort of looks up Google and watches the other previous shows knows that this is what's going to happen. And we are instructed to do as we're told. And that was to have a boxing match, as did other people. Now, we're all friends on that show. We had all met previously in New Zealand before the show had gone to air. Obviously, mine and Roxy's relationship was closer than others, as she represented me. But no matter who we were up against, it was going to be a friend of ours. It was unfortunate that we were up against one another, but I was just doing what I was instructed to do. And if she felt so uncomfortable with doing that, maybe she should have pulled out before the boxing match and not gloved up and put a helmet on. But I was doing what I was instructed to do. And I guess she was lucky that she didn't end up being up against someone like one of the boys because mm-hmm. Sabrina was up against Nick Cummings and that was a possibility. They did tell us that that, was, that could be a possibility. So it's never nice being in that situation. I was uncomfortable, but I was doing what I was instructed to do. And unfortunately, that was the undoing of our friendship. But yeah, I've moved on from that and she has and yeah, I'm just looking forward to the future. And what about some of the positive friendships that came out of that experience? There's been a lot and especially in particular Merrick, who we didn't see a lot of our friendship on the show, but he's an awesome guy and he slept opposite me and we shared, there was two fires and we shared a drying rack. So we spent a lot of time talking to one another while drying each other's clothes and he would go get the fire and make sure the fire was nice and warm and I would let him rest and dry socks and because dry clothes is just crucial and it's and it's almost like your lifeline so 
we formed a very strong bond and, and soon he'll be moving in less than 100 metres away from me. So we'll be able to <laughs> do a lot more together. So he and I are great friends and Molly Taylor, she was fantastic and we trained a bit together and have spent some time together. But everyone's just so great and we keep in contact. There's a WhatsApp group still and I think what we experienced was completely unique and something that only we had shared. So only we really understand what it's like. So I think most of us will have a certain bond for a long time to come or just that respect for one another that we know what we've all been through. How did you manage being away from your family? How long were you away from the kids for? It was only a couple of weeks, so um, it wasn't too bad. It was always going to be a struggle because I'd never been away from my family. Mm. But due to COVID, David wasn't overseas playing cricket, so he was able to be home with the girls for majority of the time. So knowing that the girls were going to be with at least one parent when originally they were just going to be with grandma made it a little bit easier for me. But it was those down times, those times in the back of the vehicle that you start thinking, I wonder what my kids are doing. Should I be here? You start to get the guilts and you think, should I be here? I'm doing this for myself. You start to feel a little bit guilty. So there were moments of that, but I just had to remind myself that I am here for my family. So I knew they were going to be my biggest strength, but also my biggest weakness. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? This is often, and I'm just guilty of asking it myself, but it's so often like a big factor for women like how can you manage being away from your kids but do you think David gets asked that in the media you know how are you going being away from the kids for so long yeah and and you know what and and David really does struggle but it's for him I guess it's just a given people just expect no this is what you do and get paid well so it's okay but this year we're looking at being apart for at least six to seven months that'll be a new challenge for us and That will be difficult. There will be things that he'll miss. But at the same time, we're also very fortunate that through COVID, he was home more than usual and he did get to see his daughter go to school for the first time and he did get to see his baby walk. And But, yeah, he was with the girls for a majority of the time that I was on the show. So I didn't have to worry too much. I knew that they were in good hands. And so how do you guys manage generally? Because obviously David's a cricket player for anyone that doesn't know and he's travelling all the time. How have you managed with the three kids? Well, with travel, a lot of the times my mother will come away with us because David's generally away already and we're going overseas to meet him and a lot of the time when when the girls were younger they were both under two so I couldn't just fly with them on my by by myself because they both needed a that both girls needed a seat and and an adult so my mum would come away with us and they're good little flies now Mm. uh, although out of practice a little bit because we haven't (laughs) been away but yeah that's when when we're away you just start to become creative because you are in countries like Bangladesh and India and Sri Lanka and some places Sometimes you can't get out as much as you'd like to. Mm. We do show the girls a lot, but sometimes it's either too hot you can't or you're in a place that it might not be safe enough. It's always about finding things for the girls to do. So we always, at first, I always used to travel with a heap of books and colouring in and all that kind of stuff. But the last few years it's been reading eggs. Mm. So, and I know that's what I'm promoting, but it honestly has been the fact that I don't have to have all those books and it's heavy. They've got that. It's educational and they're having fun. And and as kids, all you want to see is your kids having fun. And and also if it's positive screen time, then they're learning at the same time. I know that you have got a little one in school now. So how has the ABC Reading Eggs helped with that? Ivy's going into year one and and Indy's going to starting school for the first time. And yeah, they've been using it for a few years now. And it started when 2018, we're in England for 
almost four months because I gave birth over there while Dave was playing cricket. And it was really important in the lead up to Ivy going to school that she still kept up her school readiness. And, and also she's really keen and eager. So I wanted to make sure that she continued that and, and still loved doing schoolwork. So with the app, she was still able to do everything that the kids were doing back here and, and if not more. And the fact that it was fun made Indy then want to do it because there's all these little songs and they have these little achievements and little goals. And so, so for me, it was, it was brilliant. And it gave her confidence going to school, knowing that she already knew some things. Mm. And I think if going to school for the first time is so daunting and the fact that she went to school and it was that little bit less daunting and she had the confidence that she knew her sounds and identified words and, and could put different things together, you know, made me really happy, but it also gave her that confidence. And that's super important, especially in little girls. What happens now that kids are going to be at school in a non-COVID world, I guess, would you guys still be traveling or are you feeling like you've kind of got to plant your feet a bit more now? Yeah, so a little bit. Prior to COVID, we thought, okay, so the girls are at school or Ivy was at school last year. We obviously wouldn't pull our kids out all the time, but if there was an opportunity maybe the Easter holidays, we might take Ivy out a few days before the holidays mm. and that way we could travel and see David. But that wasn't the case and, and that isn't the case even this year. So usually we would just travel, go from one place to the next or come home and we wouldn't really spend any more than six or seven weeks apart from David. So now when it's six or seven months, it's, again, just trying to be positive and, and have a nice balance and just making sure that I don't like to ask for help, but there are times where I should just say to mum, hey, mum, can I just have an hour or two hours or I need to pop to the shop or can you mind the girls? There's things that I need to change as well that I, you know, I can't do it all. And although I want to be really independent and not rely on people, it's like being a single mum. Well, I will be a single mum for, for that a period of time. So I am going to have to sort of let my guard down a little bit and say, you know, what? I can't do it all on my own and, 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 and reach out for some help. Every pregnant woman's nightmare is a miscarriage. Yet another thing that life threw at Candace Warner. How she dealt with it and where she went from there, next on the Curious Life podcast. It's so hard asking for help, isn't it? I don't know why so many of us have that issue. I think it's also, for me, I feel like I'm showing a sign of weakness. Like, they're my kids. I should be able to look after them. But at the same time, you can't be super mum. You can't do it all. You can't. Babies need sleep at a certain time. They need to be fed at a certain time. You can't then be taking your kids to swimming lessons or doing this. and But then they can't miss out on what they need to be doing as well so you need to just have a juggle and, and a balance so I think for sure I'll call on upon my mum a little bit more and and, and David's mum just for a little bit of help and they get to spend extra time with their grandkids so it's a win for them as well I'm in a phase where I'm thinking like do we have a third child my yeah. partner's like absolutely no way but I feel like I can work on him a little bit what was the jump from two to three like for you you know what it, it wasn't so bad because my older girls are similar in age and that little bit older it wasn't so bad and when they're babies they're kind of easy in the sense they do what they're told they don't talk back they don't they feed and sleep if they're a good baby or if they're upset you know that they're unsettled or they might be hungry or have a pooey nappy so I found it okay it was more just the juggling things with other kids and and just trying to 
be everywhere at once and, and be a mum to three kids. That was the hardest thing. But the girls were great with their younger sister. And But, yeah, it was just that finding that juggle and that balance when the kid needs to sleep or you're, you're breastfeeding or they're feeding or whatever stage they're up to is just trying to find that balance. But what I've always done, and not everyone does that, but what's worked for me is having that routine and kids are fed at this time, baths and fed, so they know where they're at at certain times and they've always responded really well to that. Mm, routines yes I'm a bit like that too also when someone else looks after them they know the kids know and and the person knows that this is what's happening at this time and it makes their their life a little bit easier as well having gone through two miscarriages I wonder whether you've had some time now and some perspective to look back at that time and kind of see how you got through that Yeah, well, it was difficult and it took us a while. So with my first two, it was very easy to, I felt pregnant straight away. So I just assumed for the third, it was just going to be the same. We'll start trying and boom, I'd be pregnant. But it took about a year and a half to fall pregnant. And it was for no reason at all. It just wasn't happening. So then when I finally did fall pregnant, it was such a relief knowing that, yes, finally I'm pregnant. And then just with the stress, I believe with the stress and pressure and everything that was going on in our outside world, it was maybe a contributing fact to my first miscarriage. I fell pregnant again and I just couldn't hold on to the baby. So I think probably, you know, your body, stress is such a horrible thing for your body. And I think it was just all too much. And finally we fell pregnant and, you know, she's this healthy little barb and, and, and we, we, you know, no more miscarriages, thank goodness. And everything went smoothly and, and she's been a, a great little baby. And so looking back, definitely everything happens for a reason. I think if she came when we first started trying, I think it would have been way too difficult having three kids under a certain age and maybe it just wasn't the right time. So everything does happen for a reason you just it's sometimes you don't know what the reason is straight away and and it's not until years down the track that you look back and go I can see why that happened at that time or why things didn't happen at a certain time but things happen when you're ready for them and I'm a big believer in that to finally be pregnant and then to lose that pregnancy in such difficult circumstances times like that is when you as a person privately you, you break and you cry and you think why me what more can come of it but after you have that little meltdown there's no point dwelling on it there's nothing else you can do except just bring yourself down and 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 start to hate yourself and and get yourself angry and it affects everything it has a flow-on effect to your husband to your kids and everyone around you so I deal with things as they happen don't dwell on things I also don't look too far in the future and I just I try to be present and just deal with things as they as they are and yeah it's I, I don't know. It's just the way I've always been. But I think it's because of all my, my journey and, and all my ups and downs that it, it's made me into that person. That is an incredible skill to have gathered through all of these storms. For a lot of people, just being present is difficult enough. That's something I struggle with when I'm busy and the kids are under my feet. All they want is attention. And all I'm thinking of is the emails I've got to answer and the things I have to do and where I have to be. And We all have to remind ourselves of it sometimes, especially in lockdown and especially on a rainy weekend and you've got your kids and all they want is you, you, you all the time and you just think, oh, come on, I've just been playing with you for the last half an hour. And I think every parent feels it and it's not bad to switch off, but trying to be mindful and even just sometimes going, okay, I've been on my phone too much. It's now time to 
spend a little bit more time or, you know, we all have to work on it. We're all guilty of it. And if we're mindful, then I think that's the first step. What are the things that you do for yourself? Like what are your self-care strategies? Uh, not a lot, actually. As a, as a mum, I do a lot for <laughs> everyone else, as we all do. But if I can just exercise once a day or three or four times a week for an hour, I'm happy. That's my escape from everything. That's my time to just switch off and just do something for me. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy with that. That's where I get my energy. I, I think about things. I have a clear mind when I'm exercising. I'm not in my phone. I'm not watching TV, I'm not being distracted. So that's when I have a really clear mind and I can do my best thinking and I can visualize and I can, it's, it's when I do my best thinking, I feel like, and I can solve the little problems that may be going on in my life or my family's life. So for me, it's, it's exercise. Mm, that's brilliant. It's so true. I find the same, even if I'm just going for a walk, suddenly mm. things become a lot clearer and you can sort of make sense of things. Yeah, definitely. And with that, you, sometimes it's just, it's a good night's sleep and you wake up the next day and you, you take the emotion out of things and you can see things a little bit more practically. What's next for you? I know you, you've got a you know, difficult period coming up with the family, but what are your, what's the plans for Candice in 2021? Okay, so... With David being away, it's going to be obviously very much mum. Mm. But I'm currently doing every Wednesday night a radio program on 2GB, like the Wide World of Sports program. So I'm enjoying that. I love talking about sport. It's what I'm passionate about. And, yeah, I just absolutely love that. So hopefully that continues. It's a it's a nice little gig on a Wednesday. I'm away for a few hours and it just it's something that I look forward to each week. So... Hopefully that can continue and then who knows what other little work that I can slip in. But again, I love picking my kids up from school. I love dropping them off. I don't want to miss out on those things. But if there are a few little work opportunities that I can do that fit my family's lifestyle and mould, then I'll do it because with David being away, I, I need that also, that that contact with, with adults, that time to use my brain and, and not just be mummy so I think in order to get through a certain period away from my husband and just being a mum I need to also be stimulated mentally. Sounds like you're going to have your hands full this year that's for sure and you've got much more strength than I do too. Oh I don't know about that everyone has it in them you just sometimes it's just not tested you don't know what you've got inside you until you're tested or you're in a certain situation or someone has that belief in you that makes you feel like, yeah, I can do this or I can overcome that. So don't sell yourself short. <laughs> well, if I end up with six months ahead of me alone with the kids, I'm coming yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, no worries. Get some motivation. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Candice, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure because I know that so many people take so much from different things and they can relate to certain parts of my life or certain parts of other people's lives. So when we do things like this, it's, it's really beneficial to so many people. Absolutely. And if people want to follow you on Instagram, do you want to yeah. share your handles? I think, look, they're all so different because you, <laughs> you, you sign, make these things up before you get married and then you change your name. And then I think Instagram's Candy Warner One. Okay. It could be Candace Warner One, but I think it's Candy <laughs> Warner One. Well, I'll put the links in the show notes and we'll make sure we get that right for you. Yeah, thank you. And for people that are interested to know more about ABC Reading Eggs, 
Yeah, and everyone, I mean, as, as a mother as well, there's times where you, you're bathing your baby or you're cooking or you just need that time. But knowing that your kids are doing something that's beneficial, it's positive screen time and they're having fun, you don't feel as guilty when they're sitting on their devices. Thanks so much again for your time. I really No, really not a problem. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. We would love it if you left us a rating for this episode. And catch up with Yana for more inspiration and info on how to get to the stories that tap into your passion on Instagram and Facebook at The Curious Life Podcast. Mm-hmm.